This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Friday, September 30th, and we're talking Brewers baseball today with Adam McKelvey, our Brewers reporter. Adam, as always, thank you for the time. And unfortunately, uh, this week we have to start things on a down note as uh, the baseball world still rocked by the uh, horrific news we found out uh, early Sunday, the passing of Jose Fernandez of the Miami Marlins at the age of 24, a boating accident uh, off the shores of Miami. And like I said, this is still news that is – resonating throughout uh, not just the baseball world, but the sports world in general. Uh, such a, a bright star with a limitless future and uh, take it away from uh, from all of us. Again, he uh, passes at the age of 24. And Adam, I was just wondering, uh, you know, we saw so many reactions from so many teams across baseball uh, to the passing of Jose Fernandez, and I'm sure the Brewers were no different. Uh, talk about some of the reaction from inside that clubhouse and if any – you know, players or coaches or personnel within the franchise had any spe- any sort of special connection uh, with Jose Fernandez. Yeah, you know what was uh, what stood out to me, and I wrote this is uh, there were no former teammates of Jose Fernandez on this Brewers team, and they faced him only one time in his entire career. It was earlier this year. They always missed him when he was hurt, or he just didn't happen to pitch in the series. Um, so there was not a close connection. But I'll tell you, it was as somber a clubhouse as I've ever been in. It really hit players hard that a huge, larger-than-life personality like that could just be taken away. And um, I think it has, you know, players, you kind of think about your own mortality in those situations. So it was a very, very difficult day. And as far as personal connections, there weren't any former teammates, but I did learn that Jonathan VR, the Brewers infielder, says he became – friends with Jose Fernandez just as spring training rivals um, uh, when, when uh, VR was playing with Houston and, and they were both in Florida and he said they would text back and forth. And it was probably about a month ago that he got the last text and he said, Fernandez always encouraged him to, you know, go for it, to be just the player he was. He's an aggressive, uh, VR is kind of an aggressive player himself, smiles a lot on the field. And he says, uh, Fernandez always encouraged him to keep doing those things. So it was, uh, you know, it's really, uh, really sad uh, for, for all the players. Yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable whether you say the words or read the words or hear the words that Jose Fernandez has died. It just it just seems like it, it can't be. Like if this is some sick, uh, cruel joke and uh, he's going to pop out of somewhere and say, hey, I got you all. But, you know, that's obviously not going to happen. And the one, the one thing that struck me uh, among the many tributes and remembrances of Jose Fernandez was uh, Pedro Martinez on MLB Network. He came right out and said, you know, this kid had more talent more, and more potential than I did. That's coming from, you know, Pedro freaking Martinez for him yeah. to, to shower that kind of praise on Jose Fernandez. It just makes you wonder and speculate uh, what he could have been 
He was incredible for the time that he was here, but uh, taken away from us way too soon. And just I'll, uh, tell, you, I'll tell you, Matt, if yeah. I can just share one one more thing. Sure. Craig Council called him a Hall of Fame talent. Wow, Th- that's what he thought of just the ability that Jose Fernandez had. Um, so they saw some very big things. Just again, he saw him pitch once live, mm-hmm. and that's the type of talent that he thought he was. And this is coming from a guy, Craig Council, who does not just throw praise out there. You know, even his own players like that, and that. That really stood out. Craig Council had some really powerful uh, comments about this. Um, just basically that the, what he'll always remember was the word joy. That, that's the word he associates with Jose. And he said it was, um, you know, if you can take something from this terrible thing, it's just play the game with joy and, and accept the joy that this game can, can give to you. I agree, and I think that, uh, you know, who knows what the future holds, but, uh, you know, we see so many, you know, I don't know what to call it, unwritten rules about baseball. Guys get so uptight about perceived slights and about, you know, you you can do this, you can't do that. Well, here's a guy in Jose Fernandez who, like you said, went out there with a smile on his face 24-7, played the game with, with uh, exuberance and joy and fun, and we need more of that in baseball. And if that's the legacy he leaves behind, where, you know, players can kind of turn a page and, and just treat this game for what it is. It, it's, you know, it is something fun. Yes, it's competitive. Yes, there, there are big stakes. But at the end of the day, it's a game. That's how he treated it. And, uh, you know, again, if that's the legacy that he leaves, then the game will be better for it. But uh, it's tragic it had to, to come to this where he's taken from us at the age of 24. So, uh, Adam, good stuff there with uh, remembrances from – some of the Brewers personnel about uh, Jose Fernandez and uh, getting back to the, the matters on the field. Uh, the Brewers just wrapped up a three-game series in Texas, uh, dropping to a three. And a lot of old faces, a lot of old friends uh, in that Ranger clubhouse these days, uh, including Carlos Gomez, who spent six seasons uh, in Milwaukee, and most recently uh, Jeremy Jeffress and Jonathan Lucroy, who were part of uh, trade deadline deals uh, just this past or this current season, I should say. You were in Texas. I'm assuming you got a chance to catch up with uh, one, if not all three of these guys. And uh, what do they have to say about uh, their their new their new situation? Uh, you know, playing on a Ranger team that uh, is on their way to being the top seed in the American League playoffs. Well, yeah, they're obviously having fun. And Carlos Gomez killed the Brewers. He had yes. a big homer in two of the games. Uh, hit a winning homer in the finale. The Brewers could have won that series. They could have swept the series. That would have been quite a thing from a team, as you said, going for the, the top seed in, in the playoffs. Um, but it was weird being <laughs> seeing them in a different uniform. You're used to the fans in Milwaukee, used to seeing them in navy blue, and now you see the royal blue. Um, Luke Roy was kind of all business. But Gomez was really fun and reflective about his time in Milwaukee and kind of where his career has gone since and a really bad experience in Houston. And he says his season kind of started over when he got to the Rangers. And it's, it shows in, in um, the production he's given him. He says one of the things that helped him kind of find himself again was walking in the clubhouse door and seeing all those familiar faces. Mm-hmm. There's the players you mentioned, but there's also Prince Fielder, who's not able to play, unfortunately, but he's been around the team here and there. It was He wasn't there this week, which was a bummer. It would have been nice to catch up with him at the end of his playing career. But he'll be there with him in the playoffs. And um, Gomez said there was just a, a feeling of comfort uh, when he walked in the clubhouse doors and saw all those familiar guys. I'll share one one thing. The funniest thing that he said was, um, I was asking him, it's it's almost five years since he scored the winning run that put the Brewers past the Diamondbacks in the oh uh, the 2011 Division Series, put him into the NLCS. 
and I was asking him about that and about Niger Morgan, the guy who got the hit. And Gomez was saying, you know, Niger was the kind of player that if you were on the other team, you hated him. Hmm. But when he's on your team, he's he's exuberant. He brings energy. You know, you love the guy. And I looked at Gomez. I said, Gomez, does that remind you of anybody? <laughs> and he just smiles. He says, who, me? <laughs> so I think, you know, he's he's a guy who can laugh at himself a little bit. He gets uh, very emotional at times. And right now he's channeling it all in the right direction for the Rangers. Yeah, he certainly is. And this is a guy that uh, had struggled so bad with the Astros in the first part of the season that the Astros cut bait with him completely. He gets a new lease on life with the other team in the Lone Star State, and uh, he has looked like his old self, as you said. Uh, probably the biggest reason why the Brewers only took one of those three games as he absolutely crushed a pair of uh, three-run homers in back-to-back yeah. games, and uh, those, those things still might be in orbit. Uh, he was sensational, and uh, great to see him and Jeffress and uh, Lucroy down there in Texas for you, no doubt. Now, another guy I want to focus on who is still a Milwaukee Brewer and hopefully will be for some time, Jonathan VR. And something I didn't realize is that uh, he is one homer shy of a 2060 campaign. That would be 20 home runs, 60 stolen bases, and only three other players in baseball history have achieved that mark. Uh, some nobodies named Ricky Henderson, Joe Morgan, <laughs> and uh, Eric, uh, Eric Davis for the Reds back in the mid-'80s. So three very prominent names there, two Hall of Famers. In your discussion with uh, Jonathan VR, uh, how badly does he want to get that next home run, number 20, to put him in that very exclusive club? Well, he insists to me that the key is not thinking about it because he, the number he really wanted was 60, and he's talked about that one for actually a couple of weeks. That has been a goal of his, and you saw in the first you know, two or three weeks of September – him fall into a really deep slump and he was pushed because he was just trying to get on base to get those stolen bases. So he says when he stopped kind of pressing, he figured out a way to kind of clear his mind a little bit. That's when the hits started to come and now the extra base hits have really come in bunches. Uh, he hit two homers in one of the games in Texas, then hit another homer in the finale to put it to the edge. So he insists he's going up there trying not to think about it. Now, you know, is that true? I don't know. Three games at Coors Field, you're not thinking about hitting a homer. <laughs> I think he's going to have to fight that in these, yeah. uh, this, this three-game series. But it's quite an achievement. I was surprised when I looked, and it's been since 1990. Henderson in 90 was the last 2060 guy. It, it just seems like those aren't out of this world. They're certainly great numbers. But you, I thought there'd be another player who got it. Um, I was kind of surprised that it's been that long. Yeah, me too. We're talking over a quarter century now, and uh, for him to get that 20th homer and uh, join that club would be big for him. And uh, I'm with you that, you know, if you're playing at Coors Field and you, you're one homer shy of achieving this feat, there is no way that your brain is not uh, honed in on getting that home run, especially considering the environment. Uh, Coors Field in Denver, great place for him to hopefully launch homer number 20. We'll see what the next three games uh, bring as the Brewers close out the season. And, Adam, in all your years covering this team, have you seen a player have as unexpected a great season as Jonathan VR is having for Milwaukee in 2016? Well, I'd have to think about that. I mean, I think Junior Guerra, their pitcher, comes to mind for me. But, but you know, when you're talking about doing something that hasn't been done in 26 years, that's that is pretty amazing. When, when they traded for him, it was a minor trade. It was David Stern's first trade, by the way. Um, it, it, you know, it looked like they were getting a guy to be like a utility infielder. Uh, Gene Segura was still the shortstop at that time. And it, it just looked like VR was going to do what he did in Houston, kind of play all over, get at bats when he can, switch hitter, some speed, 
you didn't see him as an, uh, really even an everyday guy. Then that changed when they traded Segura. Then he looked like he was just going to be a bridge at shortstop to Orlando Arcia, their top prospect. And VR has played himself into much more than that. So now they have to figure out, well, where do we play him? He's got to play somewhere. I'm not in the camp that believes the Brewers will look to trade him this winter when his value is so high. He's got so much club control left. He's a young player. He's exactly the kind of player that you're looking to acquire. And I don't see, I don't see them trading him. So, you know, it's basically second or third base because RC is up now. He's the shortstop. He's going to be the shortstop on opening day. And where does VR fit best? He's been okay at third. He's made some errors over there, but you know, it's a guy learning a, a, a different after being up the middle, basically at shortstop for most of his life. It was playing the hot corner is just a, proving a challenge. So that's a possibility. But you know, I think second base, he'd look pretty good there. It's, it's another up the middle, uh, a little easier transition. He'd be a heck of a double play team up the middle with Arcia. And the Brewers then would have to figure out what they're going to do at third base. They'd also have to figure out what they're going to do with Scooter Jeanette, who's been the third baseman for basically the last three-plus years. Or, I'm sorry, the second baseman for the last three-plus years uh, and can only play second base. They probably would look to trade him. So uh, there's some questions, I think, this offseason about how they're going to make that work. But the bottom line is VR it took a huge step. And when you talk to the coaches and teammates, uh, they, they see a guy who's got a, a, you know, more in him. Because of, because of the dramatic improvement he's made this year and, and the talent, just the raw talent that he has, they sort of think that this is a guy who could take another step. You know, Council's talking to him about 30 homers. They think that there's that sort of ability there. That would be uh, pretty amazing for a switch hitter. Yeah, it would be, and that would be a heck of a middle of the infield, as you pointed out, uh, with uh, VR at second, Arcia at short. And, uh, you know, it's surprising and a little disappointing that uh, VR's breakout season has not gotten more – uh, publicity. I think that the Brewers' struggles this year have had a lot to do with that. But uh, if the Brewers do improve next year, I think this is a guy that could really come on the radar a lot more uh, for what he's doing here in 2016. Let's hope he gets that uh, extra home run to become the first 2060 guy since 1990. That would be something else. And uh, Adam, to wrap up here, the Brewers played their final home game of the season on Sunday at Miller Park, and you could hear the cheers getting louder and louder with each uh, successive at-bat for Ryan Braun, as I think the fans understand that. Obviously, nothing's set in stone, but there's a good chance he could be wearing another uniform in 2017. Uh, talk about Braun's reaction uh, to the ovations and, and the fans and just everything going on around him uh, following the game. Is like I said, there's a very good chance that uh, – you know, Ryan Braun, who's been the face of this franchise for so long, uh, may not be come next season. Yeah, you know, I think many players, when they went through this, they, they would have not had much to say about it. He's got a contract through 2020, and I think a lot of guys just would have been like, well, no, I'm here, I'm going to be here, and that's my expectation. Ryan Braun admitted what is obvious, that this could have been his last game. And he says that after he almost got traded to the Dodgers at the end of August, um, and he saw how close that was, he sort of, you know, took it all in over the last month. Um, he appreciated the fact that this might be uh, the last swings he's taking in this uniform in that stadium at Miller Park in front of those fans uh, as a home player. So um, he was, uh, I, I think, you know, his awareness of it was the interesting part of the story and his acknowledgement that, yes, this could happen. I've said, you know, you've asked me, Matt, if we go back to our early season podcast, I said, no, he's not going to get traded. Too big a contract, too many health questions, the PED uh, cloud, all that stuff. No way another owner takes him on. Um, 
that's changed. I mean, I, I'm that, that's out the window now because they came within minutes of sending him to the Dodgers. Um, he's healthy all season. He had back surgery last year, but they've managed it all, all year. He's going to get, you know, 140-ish games played. Uh, he hit 30 homers. The thumb thing that bothered him a couple of years ago, that's now two years in the past. Um, and, and his salary, it's his salary each year through 2020 is between 16 and 19 million. Uh, that's right in line. I mean, you can almost make an argument that that's a bargain if he continues to produce at that level. Now he's 33 uh, in November. So is he going to hold up is the question. Um, but I, I, they came so close to dealing him. The factors are all there in place for the Dodgers and Brewers to get those talks going again in the winter. And uh, it would, uh, you know, I, I think it's more than 50-50 that he's playing somewhere else next year. Yeah, I agree. And uh, definitely the the circumstances have changed uh, since, you know, a, a couple of months ago, if not even before then, uh, regarding Ryan Braun. And I think uh, especially where the Dodgers are concerned, if they have another early, uh, you know, fizzle outs in the postseason as they've had the last couple of years and they realize they're one big bat away, then, okay, that big bat may be in Milwaukee. Go get Ryan Braun, take another shot at it at uh, 2017 when Clayton Kershaw is still in, very much in his prime. And, uh, you know, a, lot, a million things could happen, but that's just one scenario. We'll see what happens with Ryan Braun here in the offseason. And that's, uh, Mr. McCalvey, a good place to wrap this one up. That is Adam McKelvey, our Brewers reporter, and we'll do it again at uh, this time next week. In the meantime, Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Milwaukee Brewers. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.